Hey, all right, all right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Heal Thyself, my favorite show, hopefully your favorite show. Uh, love doing this for you all. Really, really good stuff coming up soon. I want to take the time to thank you for putting your time in, really educating yourself, educating your loved ones, and as always, rating the show, reviewing and subscribing, keeping it going, keeping it flowing. A lot of good surprises coming for the rest of the year. I've got some good plans on this show, but today is going to be really important as always, but this is going to be a really important two-part show, and here's why. Because over the years, I've developed pillars of health, and they've changed. You know, I've added some. I've took out some pillars. But at this point, I've come to a place where I put together some really good pillars that for me are essentials for people's health, regardless of disease, regardless of where you are on your health journey. So that's what I'm going to share with you today. And uh, uh, we'll go, we'll dive deep in and then next show we'll give you the rest. Okay. So uh, without further ado, let's call this the Pillars of Health Knowledge Bomb. All right, so a few weeks ago, you remember I did the show on the basics, like the basic supplements to take, right? And I talked about uh, healthy habits, healthy practices, as well as what my supplement regimen looks like. You might, you might have heard that show. But for the pillars of health, I call them the pillars of health, the pillars of healing, right? And these are the pillars that hold our health up. That figurative table that is our health, it holds it up. And we want to keep that table balanced, sturdy, immovable, standing tall, right? All of these pillars need to be in play and they need to work together and they play off of each other, right? They all leak into each other as far as what we can do and how we can benefit each, each one. It's not, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, so think about this. When you go out to eat, you're on a table and it's unsturdy, right? Because one of the legs is loose or shorter than the other. We can't have that. We need pillars that are standing tall, all right? So this show is going to be really, really important. Right, and here's why. I don't care what the condition is, what the symptom, what the disease that even manifested, right? These pieces need to be in place for everyone, right? Preventatively, for treatment, it's important that this is in place. This is the foundation for your house of health, right? So your doctor or your healer needs to lay these in place first before they start recommending supplements or before they start recommending expensive treatments, machines, devices, right? Because essentially those are all just supplements. They're supplementation, they're band-aids to the roots of health. And what I'm trying to do with these pillars are laying down the roots, the foundation, so you could stand tall like a tree, okay? So um, I'm gonna talk about the roots, the table legs, the pillars, and I want you to feel empowered enough to understand yeah, these are interventions that I can make. Actually, I kind of knew that, but I wasn't really doing it. Or, hey, like I read about this and I was meaning to do it. Well, now is your time because now you can put these pillars into play. So none of these will be in specific order. I'm just going to shoot out the hip, but um, all are equal importance, right? Remember I said legs standing tall, strong, and equal, all right? Sleep. You are not healing anything if you ain't sleeping right, period, right? Sleep is one of my favorite pillars of all because... So many people neglect it, right? But when we intervene with the sleep, healing makes such a difference. Sleep is such an integral part, but it's one of the first things we sacrifice for other things, right? Well, I gotta, I gotta do more work. I'll just lose an hour of sleep. I gotta be extra social this weekend. I'll lose two hours of sleep. But it's so important that we value that and we prioritize it, right? One third of your life is spent sleeping. So it's important we get the most amount of sleep we can 
not only quantity, but quality, right? So when you are consistently sleeping, even the quality can be efficient enough that your quantity can go down, right? You could chip down some. On average, we have 90-minute cycles of REM and non-REM sleep, right? We go through five 90-minute cycles. That's seven and a half hours, right? Now, it's optimal. What's optimal for us kind of varies on our sleep. And if you'll remember, I had Dr. Michael Bruce, who's one of the leading one of the leading figures on sleep and, and sleep science. And Dr. Michael Bruce was talking about genetically, things change. Not everyone is the same in the amount of sleep they need or when they need to be asleep, right? I remember, shoot, I remember a while ago, I was like, I'm going to start waking up at 5 a.m. because I'm the CEO. And I'm going to, I had all this like business, early, riser, Wall Street energy. And shoot, I just broke down my body. My body is not made for 5 a.m., but maybe yours is, right? On the other side, my body's not made to go to sleep at 1 a.m., but maybe other people's are. So we need to think about genetically, and he had the, he has the book, uh, the chronotype book, The Power of One, which is a really interesting book where you can find out more about what your chronotype for sleep is. So I want you to listen to that episode, go back and to listen to the episode because he talks more about this, um, and you can align better with your genes for sleep. But sleep is essential. It's the ultimate time for healing and repairing and rejuvenating. Our bodies are so dang sophisticated and complex, right? It stands to believe that this incredible and conscious machine needs a little time to recharge, and that's why we really need that sleep going, right? Why? Cancer cells are destroyed. Old cells, cellular waste, boom, cleared out, right? Tissues are healing. The brain, the heart, the skin, the digestive system, the muscle, the joints. This is, this is where you're actually recharging. Like you recharge your phone, this is where you're recharging. Your sleep is essential, and it needs to be prioritized number one. And we know that sleep is modulated by two influential factors circadian rhythm and sleep drive. For circadian rhythm, so, so important. Why? Because melatonin is being released in the body. Melatonin is healing us. You'll remember the show I did with Matt Maruka a few weeks ago. He spoke about the implications of melatonin and light cues, how light hits our eyes and when, in the morning, the afternoon, at night. We need those visual wavelengths to give our bodies these cues so our biological clocks know what to do. They're basically our check-ins through the day. So this is why sunset is so important because now that specific wavelength that you're getting is giving instructions to your brain that night's coming, boom, cue up the melatonin, bring down the cortisol, let's get this person sleepy. Uh, and that's why blue blockers are just as important. Why? Because I always speak about it. Electronics are going to throw off those cues, right? But this is an unprecedented stimulus that we're getting from the blue light. So Matt Maruk was really talking about how we really need to pay attention to that. So I'm going to talk a little bit about more, more about light and biological rhythms later as a pillar in itself. But um, keep in mind, sleep is vital, right? With poor sleep, you get major symptoms, right? Aside from poor energy, which we know, my energy is crap, I didn't sleep. For me, my brain ain't right. If I don't sleep, your, your brain is basically not properly detoxifying at night, right? Remember I tell you cellular waste clearing out? It's not detoxifying, right? So now you're accumulating all this waste. During the day, it ain't cleaned out. For me personally, my memory is affected and decision-making is affected, right? Why? You're not integrating the night before, right? Your brain cells, those neurons are not rapidly firing like they should. So now you're working out a lag. That's what's happening in your brain with poor sleep. The visual world, their inputs are not being translated to conscious decision making output smoothly. And I know that because someone asked me a question, I'll try to make a conscious decision or conscious answer and I'll, it'll, I'll just lag. And um, 
that's what happens because our brain is accumulating, not detoxifying, right? Not integrating, not firing the way it should. And even Michael Bruce was saying that no one should really drive if they're sleep deprived, right? Because it exerts a similar influence on our brains like alcohol. So what else happens when we sleep poorly, right? The immune system is weakened. These cytokines, these proteins that are released from our immune cells, they're affected and they're integral for immune function. And when you sleep poorly, those blood cells are affected, right? Also, can put you at risk of weight gain and obesity over time, right? Your hunger hormone called ghrelin, that shoots up, that spikes. That's why you're really hungry. That's why you want to binge. That's why you want to eat a bunch of carbs when you ain't sleeping right. And that suppression, the hunger suppression hormone, leptin, that goes down. How about blood sugar? I'm going to talk a little bit about it later, but the lack of sleep will affect our insulin, right? Which as a result will affect our blood sugar. Keep it high. Sleep decreases, blood sugar increases. Can actually put you in a pre-diabetic state. That's a problem, right? We'll speak more about blood sugar in a little bit, but because that's its own pillar, but just keep in mind, again, I told you they're all intertwined, these pillars, and sleep and blood sugar have a nice intimate relationship that we can affect if we give a positive approach to it, all right? So needless to say, we know the damning effects of sleep. Sleep is important for longevity. The 2010 Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis in the Journal of Sleep found short duration of sleep under five hours is a significant predictor of death. Yeah, predictor of death. Sleep can also put you in a state of stress. When you can't properly regulate those stress hormones over time, what's happening is they build up, right? You're becoming more sensitive to stress. And now it's exposing you to diseases over time, right? That, that stressful state, that, that sympathetic state over and over and over is putting you at a place for disease, okay? So that's going to bring me to my next pillar, actually. Really nicely, nice segue, Dr. G. You know, you got to give yourself some love sometimes. Uh, the sleep and the stress, the stress, boy. When they say stress is an all-time killer, it's true. It's a silent killer and it's an all-time killer. It's so, so, so important of a pillar to talk about because stress is something that we can control. Now, not everyone is affected by stress the same way, but we can absolutely control the way we react to it. And I wanna give you some tools for that. But we know that stress affects multiple systems, right? It's a silent killer. It's the fight or flight lifestyle in America that we're living, right? Because we're always on the go. Shoot, I'm a New Yorker. Go, 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 keep going. Oh, what's next? And then finally get to bed and sleep if you can. But what happens is the brain gets that signal in the hypothalamus, it talks to the adrenal, and you have these branches, autonomic nervous system, these two branches of the nervous system. And I always say sympathetic. You may have heard me say parasympathetic. Sympathetic is how most people are living in America, right? That is needed. We need that branch of the nervous system for survival, to run away. It dilates our pupils. It reduces saliva, right? We think about an intense workout when we're spitting really white, gross saliva. It's because we're reducing saliva. Respiratory tract opens up so we can feed the lungs, so we can run away from that lion. Blood goes to our muscles. Our heart's pumping. Our digestive function is inhibited. Why? You don't have to digest food if you're running away from a lion, right? So we needed this evolutionarily. The problem is most Americans are living in this sympathetic state all the time. And we don't have to run away from a lion. We just need a deadline at work and all of a sudden, boom, snap of the finger, our sympathetic response is activated. Whereas parasympathetic, we need a little bit more of that. Cons what will happen, our, our pupils are constricting. We're producing more saliva, right? Preparing ourselves for digestion. This is why it's called rest and digest, not fight or flight. Respiratory tract closes up, right? Our, our lungs are efficiently using oxygen, don't need it everywhere. We don't need that high demand. Our heart rate goes down, right? Everything's flowing, everything's calm. 
the blood vessel, right? The blood goes, goes to the digestive system. So now it's facilitating rest and digest. See, doesn't parasympathetic, even the tone feels better. I'm a lot calmer even doing that. So we can actually activate these branches just by releasing that stress. And if you're stressed, you will be in sympathetic nervous system state. Okay. So heavy stress will shorten your lifespan and life expectancy. According to the National Institute for Health and Welfare, stress will shorten your life expectancy by 2.8 years. That's a long time. That's 2.8 years of being with your grandkids or being with your loved one or traveling the world, right? It's the biggest factor for premature aging. We know that. In telomeres, it will biologically age you about nine to 10 years. And physically, it'll age you pretty fast. Just look how presidents go to the White House and come out looking old. That's what happens. That's an immense amount of stress and into the system and what happens. So chronically elevated cortisol, that's your stress hormone, will contribute to hypertension, brain inflammation, which is going to contribute to things like depression, blood sugar issues. I spoke a little bit about that. Fatigue, digestive issues, sleep disturbances, weight gain, low testosterone, immune suppression, which is so important at this point, right? We want our immune system nice and robust. Then that's going to make us susceptible to infections, right? Increased risk of Alzheimer's, dementia, cancer, autoimmune disease, heart attack, stroke. This is just with chronically elevated stress. If your stress is not, this is why it's such a huge pillar. And this is why things leak. Remember I talk about sleep. If you're not sleeping, your body's stressed. If you're stressed, you ain't sleeping. And that's a vicious loop and cycle you need to get out of. But this is why stress is so important because when we address that, it not only acutely affects us in our health, but also over time will protect us. That's why I say you have to have a stress reduction technique every single day. You have to figure out what works for you. If it's yoga, if it's breath work, if it's grounding, if it's being in nature, if it's being with your family, if it's deep breathing, if it's meditation, whatever is putting you back into that parasympathetic state, right? Uh, and we have to value that just as much as we value go and you know assertion and and completing and executing. We have to value that as the other side of the coin, right? Um, and that's the, for me, the cost of living in America is me valuing, reducing and controlling my stress too, right? Now, so let's say I was living in Spain and I was on siesta where they value more so that balance of work life. And, and it, for me, when people are like, forget work life balance, it's all about the grind. I'm like, uh, it's, it's really not, you know, that's not life. Um, number three. Let's go to number three pillar, metabolic balance and inflammation. This is so, so, so important. All these pillars are important. This is super important, right? This is more like blood sugar. Inflammation is super important. Why? For longevity and overall health, we must know how our body's reacting to things, especially foods. Poor diet will inevitably create an inflammatory environment. Now, disease needs that environment to grow. Think about cancer. It needs an inflammatory environment. Even infection, right? Why do some people become sick with an infection and others don't? What's a landscape, right? It's what 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 is the petri dish that it can grow on, basically. And this is why we want to avoid and control. We want to control our blood sugar and inflammation. We, do, we don't just catch diseases, right? Uh, we don't just catch viruses or infections. It's a landscape. Remember that. It's always a landscape. So we must be aware of the inflammation that's going on in our body. And if blood sugar is not controlled, we're already creating that inflammatory state. I'm talking about blood sugar because it's really important. It's one of the leading causes of body inflammation. Um, and that's the environment for disease. So now it's not just food, but it's also stress, lack of sleep, lack of movement. How is your lifestyle? Are you smoking? 
Are you drinking all the time? Or are you not taking care and honoring your body? Also chronic infections. We know I did a, Dr. Jess was one of the first, I think it was the first guest I've ever had. She spoke about chronic infections and how it can cause inflammation in the body. Listen to Dr. Jay Tita. He did a show with us and it was amazing. He spoke about metabolism and blood sugar and what are the signs that your metabolism is off. It's so good. He uses acronyms. You got to go back to that show. It's one of my favorite ones I've ever done, but it really teaches us how to understand if our body is off and in an inflammatory state. And then we had Tyler, uh, Gene come in and talk about inflammation. He went really in depth about what an inflammatory body looks like, and he has his ebook on and uh, for inflammation too. But these are the, these pillars are all connected, right? Um, think about sugar in a pipe, and the pipe is really delicate. That sugar is going to be corrosive to the pipe. Now think about that pipe as our blood vessel. As sugar becomes corrosive to our blood vessels, our body inevitably protects itself, and it creates a callus, not like our hands not like our feet, but a callus in the form of cholesterol, right? So when you think about cholesterol buildup, cholesterol is not the issue. Cholesterol is not even the enemy. The true, true enemy is some things like inflammation, high blood sugar. What is causing the, the insult to the blood vessel that the body's reacting? So we, that's how we have to really think about coronary artery disease in long term. And it's never too early to think about that. I mean, I've, I've been in anatomy labs and I see younger folks who have their arteries that were already building up that plaque. Um, they see it in, in even, unfortunately, pediatric kids, uh, pe uh, the pediatric patients who die and they do the autopsies, they'll also see it. So really important to pay attention. You know, our arteries can really start clogging up pretty dang early, especially with the American diet. So not, it's not only sugary foods, but also simple, simple carbs can spike blood sugar. We know that, but coffee can also. Not eating breakfast can, right? It's important to really start break that fast really with some good fiber and protein, poor sleep, chronic stress, dehydration. If these are chronically high, they're going to be affecting insulin, right? Insulin is what tells your blood sugar to go down, right? All that, all that sugar goes into your blood cells. Insulin is that signaling hormone. The problem is when you got too much insulin and your body's not responding and insulin's building up in the body... Insulin in itself is a strong tumor promoter in the body. It's a very potent promoting tumor promoting hormone, actually one of the strongest, right? So in an inflammatory state, it's everything. Blood sugar control is so, so important. Now, I'm going to go into nutrition in a little bit or for the next show, but um, the big part of it is making sure that our blood sugar is stable and we're not creating the inflammatory state in our body right? Inflammation and blood sugar, they go hand in hand and it's a major pillar. All right. Number four, your environment. So, so important. Home and work. Your home and workspace is so important for your mental and physical health. If you're working from home right now, like many of us are doing, you have to make sure your mental health and wellness is the best it's ever been. And I believe this is going to be the next big push in medicine, right? Because your home is an extension of you and it's part of your health. So you got to be more intentional about your home or your workspace. And it's just from the mental perspective, but think about lighting, think about plants, think about art, think about color schemes. Make that space sacred for you, okay? Learn about feng shui. It's real. And there is a flow. You know, why, why do you walk into some rooms and go, I don't feel too good here? Or you walk into other places and you're like, oh, this is a vibe. This feels great. That's the energy flow going through the room, right? And it's and the way things are laid out is conducive to that. So even think about when you clean up your place, right? And you have a mess, you have a pile of laundry over there and, you know, you, you, you didn't clean up that, that other pile right there. And, you know, you got some boxes here. When you clear all of that, it's because the energy is flowing. That's why you feel better. Okay. So the same goes with your office. If you can do that, 
That's the mental part of the environment. But the physical part, you hear me talk a lot about cleaning up your home, right? If you're spending a, more than six to eight hours in a place, you need to clean the air in that place. Open up the windows, let in as much sun as you can. Airflow is very, very important. I did the air purifier show, one of my favorite ones. If you're wondering what air purifier to get, I did that show, check that out. Cleaning supplies, make sure you flip those into cleaner home disinfectants. Environmental Working Group Guide to Healthy Cleaning is a really good reference. Get that dust out, mold mycotoxins, build and stay in the dust. So you wanna clean up, make sure it's dust free. Flip your personal care products, Environmental Working Group Skin Deep Database is the first place that I would look. Mattress, bed sheets, pillows. I spoke about this on the mattress show, so really important um, certifications to go by. It doesn't have to all be overnight, but this, these are your goals. This is something that you can do over time. Rugs, very, very important, uh, especially with kids or pets because they're rolling around and laying on the rug. And a lot of us don't think about it, but there are a lot of chemicals in rugs like flame retardants. So Hook and Loom is the one that I have. There's not really that many good rug brands out there. Okay. Turn off your Wi-Fi at night, get the Lux program on your computer, turn that, turn an orange hue on at night to protect, to protect your eyes. The same goes, goes with your cell phone, the red light tint. But you got to think about how can I improve the air quality in my home, as well as the mental part, the, the vibe, the sacred space. These are going to go hand in hand. Why? Because we're at home or in the office all the time. All right. Number five might be my favorite one, sense of purpose. To me, it's one of the most important pillar, if not the number one most important one. Well, why? You know, you just talked about blood sugar. You just talked about sleep. Well, I always say this, first and foremost, and it should always, every doctor should be saying this, actually. The mental, the emotional, the spiritual is always the first intervention you need to be making. The physical ones are later. That's like nutrition and supplementation. But when you think about the iceberg, the vast majority is the mental, emotional, and spiritual part. What you see in the iceberg is just the physical part, right? So the sense of purpose is everything. It gives you reason to be, right? Imagine how healthy you are when you have a reason to be, reason to do. I can't imagine walking through life not knowing why I'm here and not sharing it with humanity. Now, the beautiful part of all of this is that we've all been gifted with these powers, these superpowers, right? And many of us don't know what it is, but if you recall, I did my show with Chase Tuning. He came here and we spoke on the show how to realize and find your passion, right? And he explained it so simplistically. He said, all we have to do is what's natural to us, right? What have others been pointing out throughout life, right? People, for him, they were saying, God, I love your voice. I love listening to you. You have the best voice. You should be on radio. You should be, he's like, oh, I don't want to do any of that. But now he ended up having his own podcast. And, you know, for me, it's one of the best podcast voices I've ever heard. But we're blessed with these gifts that we kind of are really natural to us. But when others point it out, we're like, oh, well, what, what do you mean? You don't have it? But for us, it's our talent. It's our superpowers. So maybe we can start looking there and honing that, right? For me, it was always performing. For me, it was always being an actor. It was always presenting. It was just being in front of people and doing things. And look, right? So go back and listen to that Chase show because he really went into details about that. But sense of purpose is so important, not only just for our mental health, right? But we see it leak over in our physical health too. 2019 study, the Journal of American Medical Association elucidated this perfectly. Some studies report that those with a strong sense of purpose in life engage in healthy behaviors. They have better healthy outcomes for sleep disturbances, stroke incidents, post-stroke quality of life, depression, and diabetes. So in this study, there was a significant association between life purpose and all-cause mortality. 
Why? Because psychological well-being overall is connected to heart health, circulatory health, digestive tract conditions, right? Sense of purpose was associated with a decreased expression of pro-inflammatory genes associated with lower cortisol levels and lower pro-inflammatory cytokines. I spoke about those proteins out there. And there's evidence to suggest that elevated levels of inflammatory markers like C-reactive protein and cytokines, such as interleukins, uh, are really being pushed by a lack of sense of purpose. They're elevating. So in other words, what I'm saying is when you don't have a sense of purpose, you're not only predisposing your heart health, your digestive tract health, to disease over time, but also when you have a poor sense of purpose, you're creating the inflammatory environment in your body that I just spoke about, right? So, and it makes sense. Just imagine the stress level of waking up and going to a job that you hate, right? What that's doing is creating every single day low-grade sympathetic stress over and over and putting you in a state of inflammation. And remember what I just said about inflammation, it is the grounds for disease. So think about sense of purpose, right? It's never too late to figure it out. You could be 50, 60, you could be 70 and figure out your sense of purpose. But people in this world deserve to hear you share your sense of purpose, which you deserve to share. So it's a beautiful thing. Sense of purpose, major. All right, last one for today. Community. You hear me talk about this? I did a whole damn show on this. But this is one of my personal favorites. Again, one that's neglected some of the most, but one that can make the biggest impact on your health immediately. Community next to sense of purpose may be one of the most important inventions of all. Why? We are tribal. If you think about it, over time, we lived in tribes. Before we became industrialized, we lived in tribes. So we have a world which promotes the opposite, right? Ask yourself when the last time you felt like you were part of something, truly something with like-minded people and felt supported by a group. But lack of community can also affect your physical health. Why? Here's one of my favorite articles published in Science Magazine, where they show that a lack of social connection is a greater detriment to health than obesity, lack of physical activity, blood lipids, smoking, and high blood pressure. In other words, community and a fostered community should be the first question that a doctor asks before anything. Every doctor should be asking and promoting community before they even push medication. It was incredible to read this, but to know that if we have community, our health will be much more wealthy, radiant, and vibrant. But how about longevity? For over 30 years, we've known that folks with close relationships live longer than those who are isolated. As far as morbidity and mortality, look no further than the meta-analysis in the Journal of Psychological Sciences in 2010. They reviewed 148 articles with close to 309,000 participants, and they analyzed individuals' mortality as a function of social relationships. What did they find? People with stronger social relationships had a 50% increased likelihood of survival than those with weaker relationships. And this was consistent across all age, sex, initial health status, and cause of death. In other words, you live longer, the better community that you have, period. And it's my favorite part. When you listen to this quote by the authors, they say, the findings will indicate that the influence of social relationships on the risk of death are comparable with well-established risk factors for mortality, such as smoking, alcohol consumption, and exceed the influence of other risk factors such as physical activity, inactivity, and obesity, which is wild. Again, I was, that's, that's incredible to hear, as I, as I said last time on the show. Community is more important than exercise and weight loss, according to the authors, which is an incredible, incredible statement. So it might be one of the most powerful interventions and pillars of all. 
Okay. So I hope that was really uh, uh, informative and empowering for you. Um, I, I know some of you heard this, but now can really stand tall and go, oh, you know what? That's a lot more important than I ever thought. So we have half the pillars out for this show. Other half we'll do for the next show. Uh, but yeah, this is a quick one, giving you lots of love for the week, giving you lots of protection, enjoyment, connection, uh, low blood sugar, uh, and good sleep. All right. Much love. Love you all. See you next week.